Welcome to today on Broadway for Friday, July 10th, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. So, James, uh, I don't know if you heard this or not, but on Thursday afternoon, the Big Ten Conference has said that their football teams and any other fall sports will only play conference games, but not play out-of-conference games, and they might actually move up all of the divisional games to the beginning of the season. So I'm telling you now that the Ohio State-Penn State game might happen earlier in the season than it was originally planned. So you need to start thinking about what our bet will be for this year. Because... What I'll end up doing, you know? Well, no, 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 because you haven't done a single one of them, even though I've won for like four years straight. So I'm just saying it gives you a little bit more time. Uh, I, I want to give you as much time as possible since the, the game might be earlier for you to come up with a way for you to lose and then never follow through. Ouch. Wow. It's been so long since we've done a show together. Here we are. <laughs> back in the saddle again, baby. If I tip my head back and pinch my nose, it'll stop bleeding, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. So it's good to uh, talk with you, Matt. Yeah, thanks for uh, taking the show yesterday and uh, talking with Christine Toy Johnson, who was one of my very first Tell Me More guests. Um, great to hear about her project, and uh, there's a link in the show notes, so I'll be watching that as I am consuming any and all virtual theater as possible. So uh, uh, we appreciate that and hope everybody enjoyed that interview. Yeah, the Women's Theater Festival is uh, in full swing, so uh, not only Christine's show, but lots of other shows there, too. So uh, check it out using the Twitch network. You know uh, Twitch? I, I do, and not just the guy from So You Think You Can Dance, who is the DJ for the Ellen Show, but uh, I, I know a lot of people do the Twitch for like watching people stream video games, Yeah, but I've I've been known to watch some uh, poker tournaments via Twitch. It's a it's an it was purchased by Amazon. Do you know what the origins of Twitch is? I, I don't. I do not. I don't. I thought I might, but I couldn't. I couldn't place it. So Twitch used to be Justin TV, uh, and it was this guy and his two friends, um, and one of the guys was named Justin, and he wore. Uh, a body camera 24 hours a day, seven days a week and streamed it live okay. no matter it's, what he was doing. Yes, I've heard this story. Maybe on our episode of Reply All, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Reply All, awesome podcast, did a thing about this. But during Justin TV's uh, time, which we, it's sort of like it was like a reality show and some sort of theatrical stuff because they did stage some things. Um, but during that time, uh, I bought a Justin.tv t-shirt for my wife because we have a son named Justin. Yeah, you do. And, uh, and uh, of course, my wife uh, lost track of it and got rid of it and things like this. And the Justin.tv t-shirts were selling on eBay for like $180. The, the OG t-shirts. You know, of course, you can just remake them. But anyway. We are far off the beaten path here. Yeah. <laughs> Should we get some uh, Broadway Radio uh, t-shirts for our Patreon uh, listeners? Let's do it. I, merch is always good. I love the mugs, too. We could do we could do uh, some BR mugs. You know, we we did a Broadway Radio limited edition mug. Uh, did you ever not? Did, have you ever seen that? Did I not no, see that? No, that might have been before my time. 
Yeah, we had a limited edition Broadway Radio mug with a little, the old Broadway Radio logo on it that looked like the Broadway Stars logo. And it uh, had the Peter Felicia quote that uh, I'd much rather that you enjoyed it than agreed with me. Yeah, that's still a great quote. So let's get to the news. First up in the news, the UK announces plans to begin theater reopening. How are they doing that? Well, because they're not complete and utter morons and handling a global pandemic like we are here. Oh. But we, we got a couple different bits of news about this, both from Cultural Secretary Oliver Dowden. Earlier in the day on Thursday, the stage reported that he told them that he plans to release a roadmap for British theaters to reopen, quote, I want to see these institutions open their doors as soon as it is safe to do so. And I'm working extensively with the sector on how to achieve this and will be publishing further roadmap timings. For, for further steps imminently. He added that he would like the venues to open their doors, quote, as rapidly as possible. And in fact, he followed up on that exact thing later in the day on Thursday when it was announced that British outdoor venues will be allowed to reopen beginning tomorrow, Saturday, July 11th, which caught some outdoor theaters by surprise. Um, this applies to outdoor theaters, music and opera venues and more. He said in a press conference, quote, we're taking various measures to make these places safe as they reopen. These include reduced venue capacity and the use of electronic ticketing to help test and trace. Our performing artists deserve an audience and now they will be getting one. He also mentioned that his department was working to save cultural venues from, quote, demolition or change of use. Now, James, all of the London theater organizations from Soltz to UK Theater to UK Equity to a number of those outdoor theaters, they all welcomed the news. Again, we're a little surprised that they didn't get much of a heads up, um, but they also continue to press for more clarity on the precautions and the protocols, different financial support for companies and artists and more. So very big day for them. And just to bring it a little bit closer to home, uh, in an interview with Metro Focus on Thursday, Broadway League president Charlotte St. Martin said that she is still cautiously optimistic that Broadway can return in the first quarter of 2021, which is a big difference between January hmm. and the end of March. Um, and I guess that kind of lines up with everything that we know. All of these new shows that haven't opened and are getting rescheduled are doing so to begin previews in April with May openings. So I guess if we, you know, get a, a, a go ahead in March Perhaps this can line up. Maybe some of the returning shows will start earlier than the new shows, or maybe they'll take extra time in rehearsal. But, you know, it, it is super frustrating to see how quickly things are opening up in London as compared to here in the States. So I heard a rumor. Oh, um, I, lo I love me some rumors. I heard a rumor that uh, there was there. There's a lot of concern about you know whether audiences are going to return and how we're going to get them to return once Broadway starts going again. And Very valid. of course, there's the Hugh Jackmans and there's the Sutton Fosters and there's the various other folks who can be out there. But I heard that a uh, Lin Manuel Miranda might be coming back to a little show for four weeks so we'll... he's gonna be he's gonna be playing uh catherine howard in six I, you're not supposed to give it away well you didn't give me enough information i didn't have time to come up with a fake thing so uh, okay yeah interesting well. that's interesting though um it's what's interesting about that is that i feel like those tickets are already sold 
So hmm. wouldn't they? Wouldn't they be? I mean, maybe not. I guess not, because that would be a year in advance. Maybe those tickets aren't sold yet. But um, interesting. I, I would not be surprised. I I tend to think, you know, I this is a conversation that we could probably have an entire episode on. But one of the things that I think is going to be very important to getting people back to the theaters is having stars in shows. Mm-hmm. And that sucks if you're starting to bring in some movie stars to come in and do shows. And um, maybe that takes away some jobs from legitimate theater people. But if you want there to be a theater industry for people to come back to, you're going to have to give them some reason to take risks. Um, And I think that includes having some stars uh, in, in, in a lot more shows than we normally do. And I'm not talking about, you know, the normal stars that often do theater. I'm talking about the big ones like Hugh, like Denzel, um, like Josh Denzel. Groban, even. Um, and then you're going to have to find a way to make sure those tickets are still cheap because yes, the big dollar people are going to still show up, but to sustain a show uh, and make it worth it with maybe smaller capacity, you're going to have to find ways to keep those shows inexpensive. So I don't know what the answer is. Um, I would be happy to consult with anybody who would like my opinions, of course, as always, but four plus years of this show, no one's taken me up on it. But um, I I think having stars like Lynn uh, do shows is very big. And I wouldn't be surprised if like we see a limited run revival of uh, in the Heights or something like that. So Hmm. who knows? Uh, And really quickly, before we move on, I'm going to talk about a few quick stories here. First, two interesting British shows have announced new dates. First, Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella will now arrive at the West End's Gillian Lynn Theater beginning on March 19th. And the world premiere musical adaptation of the film My Best Friend's Wedding uh, will will begin performances at the Manchester Palace Theater on September 20th of 2021 ahead of a tour of the UK and Ireland. Now, this is a musical adaptation, but it is a jukebox musical featuring the, featuring the legendary pop anthems of Burt Bacharach and Hal David. So uh, basically, it's a bunch of songs from uh, uh, Promises, Promises yeah. and then some <laughs> of the pop hits as well. Um, and then finally, the American Theatre Wing announced that the previously postponed Obie Awards will now happen this coming Tuesday, July 8th or July 14th at 8 p.m. All right. Down in your neck of the woods, uh, Actors yes. Equity files a grievance against Walt Disney World. Yes, that is correct. Just a stone's throw from where I am sitting right now. Yesterday, Actors Equity announced that it had filed a grievance against Walt Disney World, I assume, with the National Labor Relations Board. Uh, that wasn't really... Yeah, it wasn't it, explicit in the... Uh, no. So I was a little confused by that. But this stems from the fact that in late June, Disney announced their plans to recall employees, including equity cast members, to begin rehearsals the following week in order to prepare for their reopening, which officially happens tomorrow, Saturday. A few days after that, two days after that, Equity released a public statement saying that companies, including Disney, need to test all members before they return to work. Then the next day... Disney rescinded all of its recall notices for equity members. Now, just so you know what we're talking about here, there are about 750 equity members employed by Disney. Outside of New York City, Orlando is the largest hub for um, for equity cast members uh, who are in terms of how many weeks are actually worked because these people work year round. Um, Mary McCall, the AEA executive director, said, quote, rather than agree to testing of performers, Disney has decided to retaliate against workers fighting for a safe workplace 
during this pandemic. And as I'm sure I don't need to remind most of you, there have been nearly 125,000 new coronavirus cases here in Florida just in the past week and a half since this uh, this whole dust up began in late June. Wow, that is uh, something. I I, I I don't know why Disney would take this course of action. Uh, it doesn't seem to be a, a smart thing. Uh, is the, the NBA thing, has that started yet? Is it starting? What's happening down uh, in the Disney area? Well, there's two things happening. First is Major League Soccer. They actually started oh, right. their Sorry. season at Walt Disney World's, uh, actually ESPN's uh, Wide World of Sports. That started on Wednesday night. The NBA, also at Wide World of Sports, will begin later this month. So they are both going full speed ahead. Uh, the NBA has had some pushback, and there's been some concern about whether or not that will actually happen. But MLS actually did start their their season in, uh, in here in Orlando at Disney on Wednesday night. And Major League Baseball is doing a little bit different uh, type of thing, but we've seen some some really big names in Major League Baseball opt out of their contracts yeah. for this year. So, so baseball and NBA, a lot of players in the NBA have done the same. Now, theirs is a little different because they're actually in the middle of a season. They'd actually mm-hmm. um, start – I mean, because their season starts in, no, you know, in November, I think. Yeah. So they have to finish a season where baseball is having a shortened season. But both of those leagues have said that um, players who opt out, they will not be punished. They won't be considered void of contract or, or anything like that. Violation. And hockey, they've just been playing all along. Nobody's told them about the coronavirus, right? <laughs> no, no, they are starting again. And what's interesting is that they are starting um, in two hub cities. So all of their games will happen in two hub cities. Interestingly enough uh, and very telling, those two cities are Toronto and Edmonton. They did not want to have mm-hmm. any hub cities in the United States, despite the fact that there's only a handful of Canadian teams in the league. So the reason I bring up these sports teams is that they have very similar things where their employees uh, are at risk, you know, during their quote unquote performances and whether or not they'll have audiences. Now they have a little bit different with television rights, but, uh, you know, the the baseball thing, are they going to attempt? I I know baseball, they're going to try to play closer league uh, interdependence. division games so only play teams that are close to them in distance yeah as of now no leagues are going to have fans um baseball and hockey which are still a little bit further away have not officially confirmed all of those things um at least not for their entire seasons but uh the plan is uh uh, no one is going to have fans moving forward hmm Okay, well, we're going to stay on top of this Disney story with the equity members, uh, and we'll bring you updates as as they become more available. But this is, you know, the, when is the anticipated opening day for Disney? Tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. Monday, we'll, uh, Ashley and Matt <laughs> will bring us some more information here. So, next up, we have uh, the We See You White American Theater Campaign releases its demands for Broadway. Yeah, you'll remember Ashley talked about this campaign a few weeks ago on a, an episode that she was there by herself. Um, they were asking members of the theater community, specifically white members of the theater community, but not exclusively, to sign a petition saying that they would help battle systemic racism in the industry. 
Well, they had thousands of names and they published those names on their website. That was a couple weeks ago. Yesterday, they released a 31 page document that, quote, outlines a series of demands for the future, including changes to working conditions, hiring practices, artistic and curatorial practices, transparency and accountability, black, indigenous people of color organization funding, training programs and more. Now, James, I admit that I haven't had a chance to go through all of it yet. As I've said before, I'm a very slow reader. But in what I've been able to see as I'm leafing through this electronic document, um, there are some really interesting things in there that I would not have uh, expected. Um, some of them from uh, incorporating American Indian, Alaska Native and Native Hawaiian acknowledgments uh, of various kinds into company meetings and practices uh, to at the beginning of different kind of productions around the country to demanding that Broadway divests from IATSE and its local unions until they comply with anti-racist practices um, and many more things, including they said if they don't meet that demand, then they will push um, for a black indigenous person of color uh, union to kind of go against IATSE. Um, the entire document is available on their website, and we, of course, will have a link to it in the show notes. Now, James, this document is extensive and incredibly detailed. And in my reading through some of it, it seems that most of the demands are pretty specific and actionable. Not all of them um, have like very specific criteria, but a lot of them do. They have very – I don't want to say the word quotas, but criteria of saying – Half of all departments on commercial shows should be made up of individuals of color. And here are the departments we're talking about, but this is not an exhaustive list. Uh, some of them are a little more nebulous, but most of them have specific criteria. The organization does say that this is a living document and therefore can and will be amended as needed. The document was actually put together by 300 different uh, black, indigenous and person of color theater makers. And it's um, it's it's pretty extensive. I, uh, I I don't think that you're going to see uh, all of these or many of these happen anytime soon, but this is a process that uh, needs to start as long overdue, and, and hopefully uh, the, the, the movers and shakers and people in power are looking at this and seeing what they can implement as soon as humanly possible. You know what's interesting to me about this is that we're at a point where uh, it's very likely that we need to reinvent Broadway. Yeah, uh, and so, as a whole, yeah. Yeah, and as we reinvent Broadway, if we are aware of of these uh, these issues, it's much easier to to do it right now than to get Broadway back up and running, then try to implement these things. So I hope totally. that people in power really take a, a, a strong look at this document. What do we have for uh, feel-good recommendations? All right. I've got uh, a handful of them. I'll run through them real quickly. Um, it was announced yesterday that the 22nd installment of Broadway Barks, appropriately called Broadway Barks Across America, will mm -hmm. be streamed for the very first time this coming Thursday, July 16th at 7.30 p.m. It, of course, will be co-hosted by the event's co-founder, 
Bernadette Peters and will have appearances from basically every single star who has ever been on Broadway, from Lin-Manuel Miranda to Bette Midler to Josh Groban, um, uh, Nathan Lane, Jake Gyllenhaal, everybody in between, Rita Moreno. So definitely want to watch that for all of you uh, dog lovers out there. Yesterday, we also learned that Lupita Nyong'o will join the Public Theater and WNYC's Richard II as the narrator. This is a project that was conceived for the radio and directed by Sahim Ali. The event will begin to be broadcast over four nights on Monday, July 13th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on WNYC's two stations for New York tri-state area listeners, as well as streaming on their website, WNYC.org. They will also make it available as a podcast for on-demand listening. The people involved in this is a large cast, but it is a fairly impressive one. The cast includes Sean Carvajal, uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson, uh, Dakin Matthews, Felicia Rashad, Estelle Parsons, Tom Sesma, uh, John Douglas Thompson, and more. So uh, this will be very, very exciting. And I love me some podcast dramas, so I will be listening to that. Then two videos we have. The first one is from the Six Queens from the London production of Six. They performed an isolated uh, uh, version of the House of Holbein, which is one of the most fun uh, songs in the show. So if you are unfamiliar with that song, this is a great introduction to the House of Holbein. And then finally, the video that James honestly absolutely broke me on Thursday. Um, We've talked before about Rob McClure's conductor cam series. And when the world started falling apart with all of the Black Lives Matter protests, he kind of put that on pause. But he has a new video in which he is conducting uh, the opening of Ragtime. And then halfway through, he steps aside and literally, I don't know if it was a video trick or not, but hands the baton to Kalina Bovell. She is a poet and an author, and she puts the baton in her back pocket and delivers a poem that she wrote. And then she takes out the baton, and it turns out she is also the assistant conductor for the Memphis Symphony Orchestra and the conductor of the Memphis Youth Symphony. And then she goes on to continue conducting the remainder of the song. And then as it is ending, we see a collage of different former ragtime cast members from the original cast to the revival, including Brian Stokes Mitchell, Audra McDonald, Quentin Earl Darrington, Jay Harrison Gee, and more. Um, join the video to sing um, the last refrain of the song. And when I tell you that I was in tears, I mean that literally. Um, It's incredibly moving and very powerful and leave it to Rob McClure to find the way to blend his silliness with something very powerful and moving and timely. So I highly, highly, highly recommend that you check that out in the show notes if you have not seen it already. That is the perfect way to get us into the weekend. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for kicking off the weekend with us. And uh, I think Ashley and Matt will be back on Monday. <laughs> <laughs>